Good morning. <laughs> that was kind of quiet. Good morning. So it is obviously the holidays. Glad that you're here today. I hope you've had a great holiday. And, and uh, some folks are probably just now realizing it's Sunday and they aren't here because their schedules are off. I'm glad you're here with us today. My guess is if, if for most of us we ate a big meal or two or three, and after that I doubt that we can, fit, that we can seat as many people in here as we could before Thanksgiving because we all seem probably we all ate a lot of food. But glad that you're here with us today and here to celebrate. We're always supposed to be giving thanks to God, and of course we do today as well. And we continue on in this series about giving thanks and living thankfully. Now I want to take you in the Bible today to that place that Sean was talking about as well, to that true story in the Bible. That did, the Bible's true. And in this true story in the Bible of where Jesus encountered ten men, I want you to look in Luke chapter 17 on the screen or, or here on, in your Bibles. This is what the Bible says. While traveling to Jerusalem, Jesus passed between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, ten men with leprosy met him. They stood at a distance, and they raised their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now I want you to think about this just for a moment, what's happening here in this passage. Jesus is in Galilee. He is near Samaria. He is right on the border. The border for Jewish people is considered to be dangerous, and many of them would not want to pass that border because they would consider the Samaritans to be disgusting, is what they would even say. The Samaritans are that way for various reasons. One, because their religion is off. They worship on the wrong mountain for one, for one thing. They also have, are a mixed race of people, and they wouldn't have liked that. There was not just one thing, there were a hundred things that the Jews had problems with the Samaritans over. And so Jesus is there, and what's interesting you're going to see is Jesus is willing to help anybody. In John chapter 4, that, that what was talked about during the baptism, Jesus was in Samaria saving people, bringing people to a belief in him. Jesus is willing to, to save anybody. It does not matter where you're from, what you speak, what your skin color is. Jesus wants all people and wants to help all people. And so there he was in that region, in near Samaria. And you have these ten men who are there that cry out to Jesus. These men are outcast, and they plead for mercy. Some of your versions say they're pleading for pity. Have pity on us. Have mercy on us, as it says here. They are in desperate need. And as you know from Scripture, if not, if this is the first time, just follow along. Because we have a lot of folks in our audience every week that are just learning the Bible for the first time. As they are walking along here, and Jesus sees these men, the typical thing for them to have done was not to yell out, hey, Jesus, have mercy on us. It would have been for them to have yelled unclean, put their cloak over their faces like this, so that the people who are clean, the people who are Jewish and, and, and following the law, would have nothing to do with them and would not even have to see their disgusting Faces. Now, I don't think of it that way, but you understand the point here. These are not people who have what's called Hansen's disease today, like a, 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 a leprosy where your ear might fall off. These are people with other skin diseases in the type in, in, in the Bible. 
And so here these people are, knowing that they are a complete outcast from society. Some of you this weekend are even in town because you were with your families. And it's fun to get together with our families, for, for many of us, some of us maybe not so much. But you were with family, or you were with friends, and you enjoyed your time together. I want you to imagine what it's like to be a leper. You are no longer with your families. You are put in a colony, so to speak, away from everyone else. And you are not going to call them because you don't have a phone. You don't live in that era. You're not going to text them, email them, even send them a card. Because if you send them a card, they won't accept it because they might get the disease that you have. So you have no communication with your family. You have missed the opportunities to worship because you're unclean. But you have also missed the opportunities to gather for all the holidays with your family. All those times that are supposed to be memorable and wonderful and fun, you no longer have that, and you are now associated with a group that has become your family, so to speak, because they have the same disease that you have, and that's it. Matter of fact, it doesn't matter now if you're Samaritan or Jewish, you're in the same group together. All those things that had held you before, now nobody wants you except those people, or those people, however you would look at it. And you are in the worst place of all, it feels like. So while you should be saying unclean, they've obviously heard stories about Jesus. They know something about him. The, mes the, the message of Jesus must have spread because they're waiting for him. And so they say to Jesus, Jesus, have mercy on us. If there is anyone that can heal us, if there is any hope at all, this is the hope. This is the hope that we have. This man who happened to walk our way. This man who's up here all the way by Samaria. This is the one who, who can do something. Now in Luke 17, verses 14 through 19, the Bible goes on. So when Jesus saw them, he told them, Go and show yourselves to the priest. And while they were going, they were cleansed. Now just a minute here. This is really unusual, isn't it? Sometimes there will be a miracle, and all at once Jesus says, get up and walk, and a man will get up and walk. And there was a blind man, and Jesus puts mud on his eyes, and mud comes off, and the man can see. This is a different type of miracle. He says, you go show yourself to the priest, because that's where you would have to go to get back into society, be able to worship again, was a priest would have to officially approve you. And so he says, you go show yourself to the priest. As they were going... This happens. Not in front of Jesus, but as they're going, all at once they're like, hey, look at my skin. It's back to being normal again. It looks like I've put lotion on, you know, or whatever. It's all right again. Everything's good. As they were going, this happened. But one of them, one of them seeing that he is healed, I can just imagine what that was like. I have psoriasis. I've talked about that before. On my elbows, I have it, and sometimes it's worse than it is other times. And, and you know, I'll look at my elbows, and I, I know I got something there. If I were to feel my elbow, and all at once it was just normal, I would go, what in the world has just happened? I can only imagine what it would be like for these men. They probably have this skin problem all over their body, and now one of them, seeing that he is healed, returned. And he says with a loud voice, and he gave glory to God. He fell face down at Jesus' feet, thanking him. 
and he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus said, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Didn't any return glory to God except this foreigner? And he told him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has saved you. Now there is, <coughs> excuse me, there is some foreshadowing in what is happening in this for another day to talk about. But I want us to look specifically at what's happening with these men. Jesus healed all of them. It didn't matter if they were Jewish or Samaritan, he healed them. It doesn't matter what your background is, Jesus can heal you if he wants to in that way. Jesus accepts, accepts everybody. Doesn't matter if you're race, doesn't matter if you're country of origin, doesn't, doesn't matter what you have in the bank or don't have in the bank, Jesus accepts everyone. He wants everyone. He heals all ten men. But only one experienced the full impact of Jesus' compassion. Only one got it. Now, they all thought they had been healed, and they were, and I'm sure whenever they go home and tell their family and friends where they've been, I mean, you know, wow, it was great. This guy told us his story. And, and so probably, I mean, that's great. But it could have been so much deeper than what it was because, you see, here he says, the foreigner thanked Jesus. Those who are outside of Judaism, this one man, it appears there are, there are nine that are Jewish and one that is, that, is, that is Samaritan. And the Samaritan of all people goes back and he thanks Jesus for what Jesus has done. He was considered the worst of the outcast. I mean, the Jewish people normally would have wanted nothing to do with the Samaritan man. They would have said, no, you're not important, you're not valuable, you're, you're a heretic. But yet this man goes back to Jesus. You know, there must have been something. I mean, maybe because he had been down so low in life, whatever it was, he had to thank Jesus because his gratitude was so deep. Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you ever been to a point that you are just so incredibly thankful for what someone has done for you? You, you don't know how to thank him. You're just so incredibly thankful and you just, you just say, wow. That was the best doctor in the world. You make cookies for your doctor. You know, whatever it is, wow, you were so good. You have to thank them for what they have done for you. Think about, I've told you the story before, or some of the story about our dog. We have a little dog named, named Stoops. Not happens to be named after an OU football coach. His name is Stoops. He is, in January, going to be 15 years old. He has been with us for a long time. But last year, and he's part of the family because he's been around so long. Last year, he got sick. He did not move for three weeks. It appeared it was the end for Stoops. And so we made that decision that many of you have made with your pets. And so we went to a vet, not one that we knew, to put him down. And we filled out all the papers and made all those decisions and decided what we were going to do. And they took him in the back and all those things. And all at once, they brought our dog back. And the doctor said, who we'd never met before, I think I can save him, but I'll have to take his eye out. And he will be fine, except for only having one eye. Do you want to try? And we were like, yes. And so he's still with us today. 
It was a few weeks later when we were in a neighbor in our neighborhood. We walk, and of course, as I've told you before, we know lots of folks in our neighborhood. And and someone said, "Well, that woman over there who's walking her dog is the mother of the vet you're talking about." And we really, that's her mother. Yeah, that's her. Barbara goes straight across a beeline to go see that woman and I can hear her across the street saying oh your daughter is so great she saved our dog she's wonderful I mean all those things and thanking her and you know you're such a wonderful mother I don't know what she said to her but you know it's all those things you understand that level of gratitude you have for someone when they do something for you or something that you benefit from. We could probably all tell incredible stories of things that people have done for us. Now, some of us are probably in this, this moment of life that we don't feel like we have a lot to be thankful for. There are probably some of us right now that are in the midst of a crisis or maybe crises, and we are in the midst of problems, and you're thinking, David, how can you even talk about that? I have hated this holiday because I don't have anything to be thankful for. My life is terrible. I don't have relationships. I don't have friends. I don't have money. On and on and on. Well, it's interesting to think about when Thanksgiving came around, of the official holiday here in the United States. It was actually determined to make this a holiday on November 3rd, 1863. And President Abraham Lincoln, in 1863, the middle of the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln said, said that upon the fourth Thursday of November, every year families, whether in the United States or traveling abroad, should stop and give thanks to God for what God has given us. And he said, wow, I was in the Civil War. It must have been a tough time. I looked back in history. Five weeks before, six weeks before he made that declaration, there were 34,000 casualties in a two-day period. More than 6,000 of those casualties were deaths, about half on the side of the north, about half on the side of the south. You can imagine how awful that was because that war, if you have studied it, was brother against brother, father against son, and how awful that was, and talk about PTSD, what it must have been like for those folks. And in the midst of great sorrow, he says, let's stop once a year for a day and be thankful. Just be thankful. So if all of us could think like that, and this man, when you think of the Samaritan who has been cut off from his family, cut off from his society, has, has no idea how any doctor would ever help, help him, now he's been healed, he can't help but go back to Jesus and say, Jesus, you have done this. So obviously Jesus is not in the flesh in front of us, and God the Father is not in the flesh in front of us, but prayer is an incredible tool for grateful people. Grateful people can use prayer to talk to God and tell God how much they appreciate Him, how much they love Him, how great He is, and how great other people are, are for us and what they've done. It helps us to remember what we have. You know, back when I was a teenager, probably in my 20s, there was a time that we kind of went through this thing of where we would say, let's say a prayer today and only say thank you to God rather than asking for anything. 
Can you just say thank you to God rather than asking? Now, it's okay to ask. Don't misunderstand me. But when you do think about our prayers, usually the list of things that we're asking for is way, way longer than the things we're thanking God for, right? And so that was kind of a hard task because we could be thankful for, oh, about 30 or 40 seconds, and then we would, then we would just naturally go right into the thing we're asking God for. And so to think that we could just stop and think about what God has done for us is incredible. You see, prayer gives us a way to share our thanks. It gives us a way to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for what I have. Years ago, we were going on a trip. I don't know where it was. It was some kind of mission trip from here. And I remember after a church service, we went out to our car, and underneath the windshield wiper, there was an envelope, and inside it was a couple hundred dollars. Well, obviously, it was because we were going on a trip. Someone was saying, thank you. I hope they got the right windshield. So, so I always go around just to make, to make sure, you know, if there's any on any others, I take it because I know they've made a mistake, right? No. But it was like it was anonymous. And what do you say when it's anonymous? You don't know who to thank. You kind of look around, what do I do? And it's great to give anonymous gifts or to receive them. But it's like, what do I do? This is what you do when you can't thank the person. You thank God for how God has used that person to help you. You thank God for what he's done. Prayer is this incredible, this incredible tool that God has given us because he knew we would need to share and want to share with others. You see, when we search for blessings, we discover things that we have missed. I read a little piece by a counselor who was talking about people giving thanks and how important it is to give thanks and how it's good for your mental health and your physical health. It's good for your relationships. It's good all the way around to be thankful. And he said, but obviously there are some people who are so deep into issues that they feel like they can't be thankful. So he said, this is your assignment. Five minutes every day. Five minutes. Be thankful. Find things to be thankful for. And sometimes the things you are finding to be thankful for are, I am thankful that I have this piece of paper to write down what I'm thankful for. I'm thankful I own a pen or I borrowed a pen so I can write it down. Sometimes it's pretty minimal, right? And I am thankful that I am breathing right now. As I was working on this sermon and thinking about it just the other day, I was sitting on the couch, and I went through this exercise, and I thought, I am thankful that I am sitting on a couch right now that I own. I'm thankful that the temperature is pretty good in here. I'm thankful that I can hear our daughter Emma, who was home left last night, that she's home for a few days. I'm thankful that I can hear the washing machine running, and not only does that mean that I have water, running water and clean clothes, it also means I didn't do the laundry. I mean, there are lots of good things there. I'm thankful, obviously, for Barbara for more than just the laundry. But, but you start going through things I'm thankful for. I am thankful I can hear the airplane that is overhead. I am thankful for... And you start realizing, wow, we don't need five minutes of this. We can go on for five hours if we choose. If we were to stop in this room right now and start thinking what we're thankful for, probably none of us this morning said, thank you, God, for the pews. But let me tell you, if we took the pews out, it would only be a couple of minutes until some of us were looking for a way to sit down, right? God is incredible in the way he provides. 
And so having this attitude of gratitude is something that is so incredibly important. Criticism leads to more criticism. But gratitude leads to more gratitude. When I am a critic, I start finding all kinds of things to be upset about. You know, sometimes Barbara and I watch those cooking shows. Some of you know the cooking shows. And, and, and the, you know, they give someone like 30 minutes to come up with a dish using, using, you know, macaroni and cheese and chocolate or something, right? And then they complain about their dish. Like, how could you complain? I mean, good grief, that was crazy what you just asked them to do. But we've all kind of become critics over the years, haven't we? We're critics about the food, we're, criti we're critics about the houses, we're critics about other people, we're just critics in general. But how about if we found a way to be more thankful than what we are now? I thought a long time about what I'm about to share with you, if this was a good thing to say or not, and I think it is. God likes to be appreciated. It is not wrong to like to be appreciated. That is what worship is, is worshiping God. We are appreciating God. We are giving back thanks to God. We are telling God of His greatness and His mightiness and His kindness and His love that is everlasting. And certainly we do not want to be God, but it is okay to want to feel appreciated. Being appreciated can make us better. When people say, hey, you did a good job. I really appreciated what you said. I appreciated what you did. I appreciated the way you handled that situation. I appreciated that you picked up someone. Whatever it is, it makes people better. Really. Did you know you knew that? You knew I did that? Well, well, thank you. And we don't have to do it all the time, and we don't want to make it look silly, but at the same time, it is, it's good to be appreciated. And we ought to be doing things like that, not to be appreciated, but it feels good and it helps us. And being appreciative is so incredibly important. Because if I do not appreciate what other people are doing and what other people have done for me, let me say, first of all, I probably don't understand what the agony of the cross was all about. But do you realize when I appreciate other people how important that is for them and for me to realize what other people are doing. It makes the world a better place. Years ago, Barbara and I were part of a group. There were probably 10 of us in the room, 12 of us in the room. I don't know. We're all friends. We all got along. We all did things together. And we decided kind of as this exercise that we were going to bring in this counselor that was going to talk to us and make us better. And as we're talking, one of, one of the men in the group, wow, he was just critical of everybody. I mean, just criti he criticized this person, he criticized that person, he criticized everybody, he criticized me. Matter of fact, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to tell you, I can still remember some of the things he said about me. I wish I didn't, but I do. And some of them were really well-founded. I mean, I deserved what he said. But he just, oh, every person in the room... And then this counselor that was there with us that day, he said, hey, you know what we need to do? To this man, and this was all had been, we weren't addressing the issue, at least we didn't realize it. He said, we need to all tell this one man who is being so critical, he didn't, we didn't say he was being critical, we all knew it. 
we need to tell him how much we appreciate him. You all just start firing out things that you appreciate about this man. I mean, it was everything. He is so organized. He does such a great job. He's a great dad. He's a good husband. He even makes good brownies. I remember it was one of the things that was said. It was just one thing after another. They're coming from all over the room. And all at once, that man who was so critical, he started crying. He was crying. And I realized one reason he's so critical is because he didn't feel appreciated. One thing that will make this world better is if we appreciate people. I'm not saying don't deal with your problems, don't just push all the, the hurt in your life away and act like it's not real. No, we have to address our issues. But at the same time, we can find a way to be appreciative in the midst of all of that. So this is my question for us today. What new things will I thank God for today? Things that I haven't thanked Him for in the past, or I haven't thanked Him for recently. What new things can I thank God for? This morning when Margarita was baptized, I think, I think some of us, not all of us, probably realize that she is coming from a very difficult part of the world. Because she, as well as many of our folks in our audience, are from Ukraine and from Russia and other parts of Eastern Europe that have been in war for a long time. They have lost much more than I have ever lost. It could happen to us too, we realize that. It's hard to imagine, but it could. But they have lost. But in the midst of that today, there was an incredible thanksgiving for losing, but finding Jesus. Do you understand that even in our losses, we can find hope and love and joy and Jesus, who is eternal? This morning, I pray that you will not turn the greatest joy away. That if you have not been baptized into Jesus the way that Margarita was, you will be baptized into him. He will take your sins away. And in its place, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You'll be a part of his kingdom, where he is the one who eternally protects and eternally takes care of us. And we eternally give him thanks for what he has done. And if you need prayer today, we'll be up here to pray with you, but you can also write to elders at mcoc.org. They'll pray with you. We want to be people who appreciate others, and we want to appreciate God, and we want to appreciate the way God uses people as his servants. Come this morning as we stand and sing. Thy faithfulness, O God, my Father.